Hey y'all, I'm your host Tamaje, and welcome to another episode of Rewatch, a podcast where I binge your favorite shows as fast as I can. We spun a wheel and landed on the ABC hit drama series Scandal. Last week we covered season 1 and season 2A of the series, this week we'll be covering season 2B. I know I said we were also going to be doing 3A, but I changed my mind. I think next week we're going to do the entirety of season 3 instead in one go. Currently, I'm only on episode six of season three, and it seems like it's going to be a big plot twisty season so far, so we're splitting it. Episodes are longer than our previous sitcom pods, and this just makes it flow a little bit better. Unfortunately, as I was on the tail end of season 2B, my notes from episode 10 to 15 were compromised and couldn't be retrieved. I tried so hard to get everything back. Unfortunately, it was a total loss. If this episode isn't as detailed as normal, please forgive me and know that I have a backup plan from now on. Once I finished with my tears and my screams of anger, I decided to buck up because the show must go on. One thing I can say is that though my handwritten notes were nearly illegible, they would never simply delete themselves. Anyway, enough of my sob story. Let's get into it. Now, last week, I felt like was a bit lovey-dovey and hopeless romantic-y. This episode is probably going to have a little bit of a different vibe. I was definitely focused on a lot of feelings of the episodes previously, so this time I want to get more into what's actually shown in the show. And yes, obviously, there's going to be some romantical elements because that's just who I am. And like I said the last time, I make the rules and you love me for breaking them. Okay, okay. Let's slide in, and as always, there will be spoilers. In the last episode, we left off with the audience discovering Huck packaging up the gun that was used to shoot the president, and Fitz being in the hospital after his assassination attempt. As we covered in the last episode, Olivia is back to working at the White House temporarily as she's handling the Fitz situation. Back at the office, the team is reeling because they haven't heard from Olivia yet, but on the news, they see a sketch of the shooter, and in walks Huck. We see in a brief flashback that Huck was looking for his girlfriend Becky and he walks into a room and the gun fires and Huck simply does what he's trained to do and disables the weapon, retrieves the shell casing and dips out. He was caught on camera, but it's only a partial view, so he's safe. For now, at least. Huck believes that whoever shot Fitz is the same person who kidnapped his girlfriend, Becky, because he can't find her now. When looking for Becky, he goes to her house and searches it, and in doing so, he finds a hidden room with a bunch of creepy surveillance photos of him and the rest of the team plastered all over the wall. With his new info, he now realizes that Becky is the one who set him up to go down for the attempted assassination. Huck, being bummed out about his girlfriend being a psycho, decides to go see his family. And by his family, I mean a happy house full of strangers who he sits outside in a parked car and watches over them. As he's watching, like he does, he dozes off, and when he wakes up, Becky's in the car with him with a gun to his head. She tells Huck that she shot Fitz but didn't set him up in the way that her clients really wanted her to because she wanted to run away with him. And Huck, being the low-key crazy guy that he is, agrees to go with her because he loves her. He decides to be a good guy and changes his mind before running away and calls Harrison to have him plant the gun in Becky's house. He was supposed to meet Becky back at his family's house, but obviously she doesn't show up because she's likely been arrested. When he's there, he senses something is off and decides to go check in on the family, and it turns out that Becky knew he was going to betray her and that she massacred his entire family. She picks them off one by one, right between the eyes, and she didn't even spare the dog, y'all. Obviously, Huck is destroyed that the person he could love could do something like this to him. 
because Sally is acting as the president and she's not too fond of Liv, she's having her plan Fitz's funeral in case he doesn't recover. And obviously that's stressing her out because her ex-boyfriend is not even dead yet and she has to plan it like she's not in love with him and that she's just doing her job. With all of this happening, Cyrus thinks that his husband is cheating on him because he lied about his whereabouts a few weeks ago, which he only discovers because his in-laws calls to have dinner with them, and he mentions that his husband James was already there, and his mother quickly shuts that down. In reality, James was in Defiance County, Ohio, trying to prove election rigging. Now, I feel like we need to add a little bit more context to this because it is a heavy, heavy subject of season two. So, I'll give a little bit of a baby rundown. James is married to Cyrus and he was also a reporter. Cyrus won't let them adopt a baby, so he went back to work, almost out of spite. James teams up with David Rosen to prove that the election was rigged and now they basically figured it out because of defiance. This little county pretty much picked the entire election results because Fitz won the election by 4,359 votes. Essentially how they did it was programming a card called the Citron card that declared Fitz the winner whether people voted for him or not. I think that's all I need to say to catch you up on that part. Okay, so back to where we were. Cyrus figured out where he was and tries to distract him by promising him a baby because he knows that if he has a baby, he can't work because that's the deal they made for some reason. Obviously, James agrees because that's all he's ever wanted. Cyrus even starts to have him followed to make sure that he's not still investigating. He's followed to a bunch of baby stores and so Cyrus calls off his dog, but it turns out that he was having meetings inside of the baby stores about defiance and the person that he's been having those meeting with is AUSA David Rosen. James give him the Citron card and he tries to move on with his life, at least for now. Energy lobbyist Hollis Doyle is trying to get on acting President Langston's good side by giving her the medical records of Supreme Court Justice Verna Thornton. Sally uses this against Verna to get her to resign from the Supreme Court. Sally is still thinking about that Supreme Court nomination that she wants to get under her belt. She tells Verna that if she doesn't resign, she'll destroy her legacy by making every decision that she's ruled on going to question because of reliability based on her cancer diagnosis. Sally leaves Verna in the hospital to think about this offer. Verna, who is good friends with Liv, tells her that the guy in the surveillance footage that's been on TV all day looks an awful like Huck. Verna ends up meeting with Sally in the Oval Office, ready to resign, but she has another offer for Sally in hand. In one hand, she has the resignation letter, and in the other, she has the name of the person who shot Fitz. Sally, being the opportunist and the patriot that she is, is struggling to make the choice of which to take. Back at the office, Olivia promises Huck that they'll find Becky and all of a sudden, a dozen government agents silently enter the area. They're searching for Huck, who's dragged away in cuffs. Olivia asks the agent what charges, and he quickly lets her know that Huck is being taken under the Patriot Act, and the audience now knows Sally's choice. So for me personally, this episode was mid in its defense it's basically the mid-season finale like they gave us enough to keep us coming but not too much to where it would ruin the whole thing you know like happy birthday mr president or one of the ones before should have been the break off but i'm not the writers or the producers so i get no say in this the only part that was intriguing was the end with hug getting carted off and that's pretty much all i have to say about this episode now the rest of season two is pretty fire so let's get into the faves like seriously guys so many episodes that i had in my previously mentioned destroyed notes were so good like how could i just choose one so i don't think i won't 
instead of giving a favorite episode, I will give some highlights instead. So starting out my highlights is episode 13 of season two titled Nobody Likes Babies. In this episode, the team is trying to figure out who was really behind the attempted assassination of the president. Millie's trying to figure out how to avoid Fitz wanting to divorce her. And I just have to stop and say this real quick. After Fitz survived his assassination attempt, Millie felt like he could conquer anything. So Millie asks him, if you could have anything you want right now, what would you have? And he literally answers her that he wants a divorce. Like, baby, could you imagine your husband saying the thing that he wants most in the world after almost dying is for you to not be married to him anymore? Like, dudes, I just die. The team somehow uncovers that the person who hired Becky to assassinate Fitz was none other than Supreme Court Justice Verna Thornton. Yes, the one dying with cancer right now. Someone who'd been a close personal friend to both his and Olivia's. She's also on that little committee that conspired to rig the election for Fitz. I guess I should also just spell out who was all at that meeting because Fitz certainly was not invited. So the people who agreed to have the election rigged are as follows. Melly, Olivia, Verna, Hollis, and Cyrus. And three people named are the people that Fitz trusts the most in the world, for the most part. Verna decides that since she's on her deathbed, she wants to tell the truth and make things right. She calls David Rosen to make a deathbed confession about election rigging, but before he could get there, Fitz comes to visit her. She admits to him that they rid the election. She also admits that she's the one who tried to have him killed. Literally at the end of the episode, as Fitz is eulogizing her at her funeral, we see that he killed her. She was a weak old woman who could barely breathe, so he kind of just held her arms down until she quite literally suffocated and stopped breathing. And then he called for help like nothing happened. Yes, the President of the United States literally committed murder. And as a result of this information that he got from Verna, he breaks up with Olivia and goes back to Millie. Like, how could I not include this one as one of my favorites? The President literally killed someone. But I guess in his defense, she did try to kill him first, even if it was by proxy. The next episode that's going to make it to my highlights is episode 14, named quite appropriately, known as Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, because that's exactly how I felt towards the end of this episode. This episode takes place 10 months after episode 13, and it starts off with some pretty spicy content. And by spicy, I literally mean Cyrus walks in on Fitz and Millie in the shower together. The reason for the interruption is that four Americans have been taken hostage. Then we go to the next scene and see David Rosen covered in blood holding a knife and then the camera pans and there's a whole dead girl in his bed and a few seconds later the cops are at the door telling him that some neighbors called because they heard a woman screaming and because he's now poor because he was fired from his job basically because OPA set him up to, he calls them to help fix the problem. While they're covering it all up for David and getting rid of the body, Quinn has to like stab the dead girl to get the right blood spatter consistency and she kind of likes it, which is its own weird storyline that we'll get to later. At some point, Liv meets a hot guy in the coffee shop and then we later discover that this hot guy is named Jake Ballard, played by Scott Foley, is besties with Fitz. All of this is going on and Cyrus's baby is supposed to be crazy christened and guess who the baby's godparents are the president of the united states and olivia pope and as the baby is being christened but based on my knowledge of this kind of thing it definitely looked like a baptism and not a christening which i don't think they're interchangeable but the show made them as so because at some points they're calling them a baptism and the other parts they're calling it a christening but that's not important i'm sorry this and olivia who haven't seen each other in 10 months are standing on both sides of this baby just staring at each other's eyes Liv looks like hers are full of sadness 
madness. And Fitz looks like his are kind of filled with anger, but also like that painstaking love that they have. And guess who spots this? His wife, Millie. Because if Millie's gonna catch one thing, it's gonna be Fitz looking at Olivia all weird that's for sure. After the christening is over, everyone's hanging out at the White House and Olivia tries to quickly leave after speeches. And Fitz all but chases her down the hall and yanks her into a dark server room and they have probably the most angry HBO worthy screen time I've ever seen on ABC. Immediately afterwards, he calls it a mistake and that it'll never happen again. But not only does he say that, but he says one of the most hurtful things I've heard and far too risque to come out of my mouth. So here it is coming from the president himself. We are done. I may not be able to control my erections around you, but that does not mean I want you after i heard that y'all i almost cried for her that type of rejection by someone you love and someone who claimed to have loved you oh god it hurts like over and over again this man's mouth has said some of the most vile things to the women in his life that i've ever heard at the end of the episode a team of seals attempts to rescue the hostages that i mentioned in the beginning but fail at it because the intel that they got was bad because essentially there is a mole at the close of the episode olivia agrees to have dinner with that hot guy from the coffee shop jake and as she's on the phone with him it cuts to jake's apartment we see that jake has a tv full of surveillance cameras of olivia pope's apartment and the episode ends there all right let's move on to my favorite character now it's probably wrong for me to pick this character as my favorite because i've already chosen them once in last week's pod but i don't care i'm choosing olivia in the second half of season two olivia literally takes so much she gets dumped at a funeral then she gets steamy in a closet then dumped at a christening clearly this woman should never enter a church again for a while olivia quite literally is being stalked by a man who's a relative stranger to her until she starts dating him and then it turns out that the man is watching her because her ex-boyfriend the president ordered him to and that every single one of these moments she never lets anybody see her down she has quick-witted snapbacks when needed here's one of my favorites that she gives her ex-fiance who accuses her of having an affair with the president five that's sexist and insulting you'd never suggest scooter libby was screwing dick cheney four the lengths you're going to try to twist this into a conspiracy are cause for concern you should speak to someone about that three the president is awake and talking and the suggestion that he isn't is partisan political crap that I thought you had enough integrity to rise above too. In the past three minutes, you've called me a criminal, a whore, an idiot, and a liar. So this is pretty much the last time we'll be speaking. So one, who I am or am not screwing, what I am or am not doing is no longer any of your damn business. Miss Girl was lying through her teeth, but she sounded so convincing, didn't she, y'all? All right, let's get into the least favorite character of the season, which based on this first half of this episode, I'm sure you can guess who I'm going to pick. And my least favorite character of season 2B is 100% Fitzgerald Grant. After Fitz got shot in the head, he just started acting up. Oh, y'all. He killed the Supreme Court justice, though he was probably valid in that. He has hate sex with his mistress and then dumps her afterwards. He pretty much gives himself a drinking problem to the point where his kids don't even want to hang out with him anymore. They'd rather stay at boarding school. Millie even tries to take the blows that he gives her because she was trying not to tell him how they felt. But after saying horrible things to her about not being motherly and whatnot, she breaks his heart by comparing him to his father, which is 
much deserved might I add because we did meet Big Jerry once in a flashback and he was terrible. Eventually he does get a type of redemption arc after he apologizes to Liv for treating her terribly but then after they're on good terms he continues to have Jake be her shadow and then after that Millie leaves him and gives him an ultimatum. He decides that he's going to be with Olivia for reals this time. As a result of not answering the ultimatum Millie announces that he cheated on her to the world on national television which he totally deserved to be exposed. Don't be a cheater, man. All right, time for the most shocking episode of season 2B, which was the final episode of season 2, titled White Hats Back On. So much happens in this episode, and a lot of it just kind of spills out, if that makes sense. So at the end of the previous episode, we learned that David Rosen has somehow stolen the Cytron card, which is the election rigging card that I've mentioned. So the card is in possession of OPA, at least it was until David stole it. David had orchestrated a plan for him to crack into Olivia's safe and retrieve the card, because it's at OPA. Turns out that he made a deal with Billy Chambers. Now, if you don't remember him, that's okay. He's Sally Langston's former chief of staff, as well as the father to Amanda Tanner's baby. With this card, they're planning to prove election fraud and have Fitz removed from office. Now, the problem could have easily been solved if they would have let Cyrus handle it because he was just gonna have Billy killed and probably David too. But Fitz doesn't want any more blood spilled over this election rigging thing. After investigating further, the team discovers that Governor Reston is in cahoots with Billy. Now, if you don't know who Governor Reston is, Reston is the guy who lost to Fitz by 4,359 votes in Defiance County. He obviously is still a little bit bitter about losing to Fitz, when Reston confronts Fitz about rigging the election, he denies it because honestly, Fitz had no idea what was going on. Reston doesn't even want Fitz to resign from the presidency. He just wants to be his running mate in the upcoming election. Now, this is low-key a problem because Fitz is a Republican and Reston is a Democrat and we all know that they don't mix very well now, do they? While all this is going on, Jake's boss, no, not Fitz, the other one with no name that tells him that he wants him to bring him Olivia. This mystery man is also in cahoots with Cyrus somehow and wants Cyrus to show Fitz Olivia's sex tape that she made with Jake unknowingly because he knows it'll crush him. Shortly after Cyrus has this meeting with the mystery man, he tries to get to the White House to stop the aforementioned meeting between Reston and Fitz, but he's delayed because he has a freaking heart attack right outside the White House. As Cyrus is in the ambulance, he's literally yelling and screaming at the EMTs because he's trying to finish a phone call between Fitz and Olivia. I mean, he's literally yelling at his Secret Service agents to shoot the EMTs. He's like, shoot him, shoot him. Fine, give me your gun, I'll shoot him. It's, it's pretty funny. You gotta you got go back and watch it, guys. As Cyrus is sitting in a bed in the hospital, Fitz and Millie stand over him as Fitz tells her the story of how his life is going to go from now on. He tells her that he's going to divorce her and win the election. And then after a few years, he's going to date and eventually marry Olivia and bring her into the White House. And it's a good plan, except for the fact that Millie hates it. And in my opinion, the audacity of this man is outrageous. Like what woman, what wife wants to hear his life plan with his mistress? Like no, they probably aren't even in love anymore, but nobody wants to hear that mess. While this is going on, Olivia is at home chilling when all of a sudden her front door starts rattling like someone's trying to break in. And then out pops Jake, who's apparently already in the apartment and he covers Liv's mouth so she doesn't scream. 
and then someone else busts in the door with a gun and Jake shoots them. Obviously, Olivia is traumatized by watching a person die, so he takes her back to the office so the team can watch over her and make sure she's okay. Jake tells her that the woman who tried to kill her was a part of the secret organization called B613, who Jake is also a part of, and now Jake's in danger because he violated orders from the mystery man to get rid of her. Cyrus comes over and Olivia tells him what just happened, so he decides to give her what I'm calling the heart-shaped bullet speech after she decides that she still wants to be with Fitz. Let me get this straight. Highly trained black ops assassins broke into your home and tried to kill you. And instead of that, oh, making you run toward reason instead of the possibility of death, making you decide that maybe it's better to be single. You have decided that the killers were merely firing heart-shaped bullets made of bubbles and candy that signified that you and your boyfriend Fitzy are MFEO made for each other? Now, I'm calling it the heart-shaped bullet speech because he's not wrong, and it's a beautiful way to describe their entire relationship. Heart-shaped bullets. Because they may be in love, but at every point, it's getting shot down and dangerous. At the end of his speech, he tells her that Fitz killed Verna Thornton, and this is a turning point for Olivia, because no matter how much she loves him, she never saw him as a murderer. And after he leaves Olivia, he goes to show Fitz... Liv and Jake getting it on. Now, he's absolutely wrong for trying to break them up, but he's kind of trying to protect them both at the same time by doing it. Anyway, back to the Cytron card part. Billy essentially begs David for the card. This is after he rants on and on about why he killed so many people because Olivia ruined his life, which like, dude, be accountable for something. The team tries to locate him and eventually triangulates his location of his cell phone and Huck and Quinn break into his apartment, locked and loaded and ready to torture. He enters and they tape him up and lay him down on plastic. Now, a few episodes ago, Huck was tortured himself. Like, they threw him in a box and he got some PTSD over that, so he couldn't bring himself to torture Billy himself. But Quinn certainly could. She takes the power drill to Billy's thigh, screams at him, and blood sprays everywhere. She's literally having so much fun. And eventually, they do get the information from Billy about the Cytron card, which it's apparently in some weird mausoleum and when they read the card, it's completely empty. It's a fake Cytron card. After this, Olivia decides to call another defiance meeting. Except for this time, obviously Verna isn't there because, you know, she gone. So the person who takes her place is Fitz this time. They have to figure out what to do with David Rosen. This meeting turned out to be essentially useless because David turns over the Cytron card to Cyrus himself later. Olivia opens a package that was at her office and inside was the recording of Billy Chambers confessing to all of those crimes. Apparently, David was playing everybody so he would come out on top as the hero. He comes out of this with an upgraded job as the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia. And in that box he gave Olivia sits a literal white hat, which is a little inside joke that they have between each other. Olivia and Fitz have a meeting now that they know each other's deep, dark secrets, which for her, technically, they weren't even together, so she was allowed to hook up with Jake, but you know, I guess technically they were on a break. Fitz was going to tell her that he didn't care about her and Jake and that he wanted to start fresh, but with her, he understands how the same can't be done about murder. Liv thinks that they all went too far this time and that she doesn't want him to divorce Millie and she wants him to run with her by his side, so he has a better chance of winning and she breaks up with him essentially. Fitz ends up on his knees in front of Melly, nearly in tears and laying his head on her lap and he silently begs her to come back to him. 
Just as we think the episode is over, we see Olivia getting ready to go for a run. She's got her music in her headphones, and as soon as she steps out of the building, the press is there, ready to grill her on if she's had an affair with the president. In the confusion, she is rushed to a car where we see the mystery man sitting across from her, and the episode ends with one word. Dad? The mystery man has been Olivia's father the entire time, and that ends season two completely. I'm sure you could see why that was my most shocking episode of the season. So many twists and turns happen, and that's just me talking about it. It's a whole nother experience watching it. So I hope you guys are watching along with me. And if not, I hope I'm doing a good enough job to help you picture it in your heads. Before you go, I want to make a small request. I want to grow our following a bit more. So whenever you see anything from the pod, if you could just give it a little share, if you don't mind, it'll help more people join us and be able to find us. Thank you so much in advance and be sure to follow the podcast social media pages and feel free to recommend your favorite shows. Make sure you're following the pod on Instagram at RewatchPod and Twitter at RewatchPod underscore. Anyways, back to binging. Try and catch me.